All right, we're continuing a series, Be Ye Followers of Me. And our text scripture was 1 Corinthians 4, verses 15 through 16. It says, For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And we praise you, Father, that if your word is speaking instructions into our lives, the word is intended to produce godly fruit, stability, reconciliation, peace, healing, guidance, motivation, inspiration, and even in reprovement, Father, it's intended to bring about a perfect work in our lives so that we can live the abundant life that you intended for us. And even now, Father, as we study being followers of Paul as he was a follower of Christ, and now in our own day and age, being followers of you, Jesus, we praise and thank you, Father, that we would adapt to the pattern of righteousness that you demonstrated when you walked here on earth, the same pattern that Apostle Paul and others followed. And, Father, even now that we would take on those attributes, Father, sometimes it's hard as we have to examine ourselves and see things that we don't like. And sometimes we have to get our toes stepped on to nudge us in the right direction. But we praise you, Father, that as we would be flexible, moldable, and adaptable, Father, the end result is we would see fruitfulness and, and greatness being instilled in us. So we praise and thank you, Father, for this, and we give you the praise, honor, and glory for what you're going to do in us through this, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, so Paul was talking to the early church, and he said, you may have had 10,000 instructors, but he says, instructors are one thing, spiritual fathers are quite another, because a spiritual father uh, somebody's just an instructor, they just have more of an uh, informal relationship or a more distant or aloof relationship. And that doesn't necessarily mean they don't care about you. They're just not as invested in you as a spiritual father because a spiritual father will jump in front of a bullet, will dive on a hand grenade, will go into all kinds of trials and tribulations to try to keep you safe. But somebody's just instructing you, they may be willing to sit back and let you fall. And even be destroyed. Now there's times as a parent that you will, will allow your children to stumble because you try to teach them and teach them. They don't want to hear it. So <laughs> uh, what's the phrase that Pam's dad says? Um, the greasy one? What's it, what's it again? You don't believe fat meets greasy. <laughs> so basically sometimes you got to taste something for itself. To really experience it. So there's times as a parent that you allow your child to stumble because you reason with them, you discipline them, they just want to hear it. So, all right, I'm going to let you get a full taste of it. But we see here Paul was not just a distant or aloof instructor. He was just not somebody that had a bunch of notches sitting in his seat of students, but he was somebody that truly invested his heart, his prayers, his urgency, his fervency consistently in the lives of people. And we see here that he was just not instructing them out of his own flesh or patting yourselves after me. But he says, as you see me imitating and mimicking Jesus Christ, take those qualities that you see exhibited before you and now start to take these same principles into your own life. So that word imitator or followers, as we see here in this translation, 
is a very important word. And even as I was led to share last week, it's one thing to mimic somebody, but it's quite another where you go from mimicking somebody and not really feeling what they feel or sensing or perceiving what they perceive. It's quite one thing to go from the motions of I'm just imitating you and using the right articulation or intonation and now getting to the point where I take the things I see in you to heart so much that now I'm not imitating or mimicking you. It's a part of the essence of who I am. That's quite another thing. Amen. So Paul is saying, be followers of me as I'm a follower of Christ so that just as you see me taking on the likeness, the attributes, the character, the compassion, the love, the stability, the resilience, the flexibility, the openness of Jesus Christ, you start to take on the same things so that you, patterning yourself after me, when I'm gone, can now be the next mini Jesus or the next mini Paul, carrying on the legacy, carrying on the tradition. And that's one of the things that we see that's severely lacking in this day and age. You know, the principles of fatherhood and discipleship. The principles of instructing and mentoring and guiding people so that they can raise up from being babes to now mature people. And it's not just out there in the world where we have fatherless children. It's also in the church where a lot of people are saved 5, 10, 15 years and yet they're still in Christianity 101. Now, a lot of it is due to the believers themselves not taking advantage of what is available. But the fact is, if you have not started to take on the attributes of Jesus Christ, where you started out as a babe, hungry, taking in the milk, starting to, to, to grasp it and starting to absorb it and now starting to apply it and then grow up to the point that now you can instill the character of Christ in somebody else, something is sorely wrong. Because Jesus Christ never intended to have people be babes for multiple years and even decades. If you look at the pattern of discipleship that we see in the Bible, Jesus Christ was with the disciples. And then after the time of his execution, he ascended. They were still a little messed up. He came back and showed he had risen from the grave. And then he instructed them, ascended into heaven. And then they carried the ball of the church to the point that here we are thousands of years later following it. That same pattern was even in the Old Testament where you see Elijah and Elisha. And at one point, Elijah said, get out of here. I'm going here by myself. Elisha said, uh-uh, I ain't leaving you. Go away. I got to go here alone. I'm not leaving you. And he said, I'm not leaving you no matter what you say. That's the only area in which I will refuse to obey your instructions. I'm going to follow you anywhere you go. And when the time came that Elijah went up, he says, I want a double portion. And Elijah said, well, if you're here at the right time, you'll get it. But you have to be here. In other words, you have to be a student to the point where you're pursuing the things of God or the man of God to the point that you're absorbing everything they have. And then there's something left over for you to carry on when that person's time has ended. See the same thing this, even in the spiritual aspects. Moses and Joshua. At one point, Moses went up the mount. And God told him to instruct the people, when you come up, tell the people, stay down below. Anybody touches that mountain, I'm going to kill them. Joshua walked right up on that mountain. Why? Because as he came up, he had the same spirit through the pattern of discipleship that Moses had. So when he came up, it was like many Moses. I said Moses could come up. I know his name is Joshua, but he's got the spirit of Moses. Walked right on up that mountain. Amen? The pattern of discipleship. Nowadays... You try to guide, to instruct, to discipline, to, to reprove, to teach. People either don't have time to get it 
Or the first time you say something, where'd it go? And then they wonder why there's no stability, no maturity. They're not in the place where they've been saved for multiple years. And now they can instill the character of Christ into somebody else. I taught my first Bible study after being saved for six months. Six months. I taught my first Bible study. At the end of the year, the pastor called me. And here's the thing. I had studied to show myself so approved that when the pastor called me, I literally knew as soon as the phone rang what he was calling me for. He said, Brian, he said, I want you to consider. And I sat there quietly, but I already knew the answer was yes because I knew what he was calling me for because the Holy Spirit had shown me. He said, I want you to pray and consider whether or not you'd be willing to be the teacher every week, not once in a while, every week at a Bible study down in Sicklerville. I said, all right, I'll pray about it. Called right back up and said, I'll do it. Walk into that Bible study. I think the youngest person was 40-something years old. I was 26. And I taught those people the principles of God. So it's not an age thing. It's a hunger thing. It's not an age thing. It's a desire and a passion to take on the attributes and the character of Christ. And that character and that, that mantle and that ability to do that comes through absorbing the word of God. And for those that are called above you, being present enough to absorb the characteristics of Christ. And now you can take it on and pass the, matter, the, the, the pattern along to somebody else. Amen? So we must be followers of Christ. So as we've gone through the character of Christ, uh, I shared a lot of the things that Paul was talking about. As he said, imitate me as, as I imitate Christ are not apparent from my text scripture. But if you go to the book of Acts chapter 20, it really gives you a lot of list, uh, uh, gives you a pretty good list of the characteristics that he was talking about. Acts 19, he talks about having humility and a servant's heart. Acts 20, integrity and commitment. Acts 20, 21, compassionate, unprejudiced. Acts 22, spirit-led, trusting in God. I'm sorry, these are verses. Acts 20, 23, trusting the witness of the Holy Spirit. Acts 20, 24, he was faithful. And now we're going to continue on with the next attribute that we can adapt from Paul, which comes from Acts chapter 20, verses 25 and 26. We're going to talk about the fact that Paul was pure before men with no regrets. Amen? Pure before men with no regrets. And now behold... I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. Now, we first look at that. We know that Paul, before he was Paul, was Saul. And he sent out letters to have the early Christians killed for their faith. So he's saying that I'm pure of the blood of all men. I've transformed. I've basically gotten past the sins of the past. I'm no longer carrying the shame or the guilt for God for the things that I did in my life before my transformation into a servant of the Most High God. But that word blood is not just talking about the literal blood that he caused to be shed through the letters that he wrote to get people in prison. It's also talking about being pure from the, the anger, the deceit. The, the sins and transgressions of I've done something wrong to people and now I'm still subject 
to them judging me as somebody that treated them unfairly or somebody that wronged them and have not taken the steps to restore that situation. He said, I am pure from all that stuff. So I know that the, my time here on earth is about to end. You guys have warned me and pray for me and say, don't go there, don't go there. But he said, I am ready to die if necessary for the cause of Christ. I even know that the time is on the horizon, but yet I am ready to go into my final destination. But I can tell you that my conscience, conscience is clean before all men before I go. Amen. <laughs> so no skeletons in his closet. No unpaid debts, whether it's monetary or in terms of behavior. He said, I am pure and free so I can go to God, look him in the eye and said, I am pure and blameless before your sight. Not only before you, but also before mankind. Amen. So I want to look at something else that he talked about. Philippians 1, 21 through 24. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I what not. For I am in a strait betwixt the two, having the desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Just think about that. Paul is actually saying, I'd be better off dead. Yet he wasn't suicidal. He just said that the destination of where I'm going is so glorious that instead of you people that are following me, feeling that, oh, I'd be better off if I wasn't in a situation with people chasing after me. Or if I was in a situation where I wasn't in prison as I am right now, life would be so much better. He's saying no. He said, actually, the place I'm in right now, if it leads to my execution, I'm actually pretty good. Because <laughs> I know where I'm going. It's good for me to die. It's gain from an eternal perspective, for this body to perish. But he said, hey, because I know I have a responsibility to all of you who depend on me, who trust in me, who see me as a mentor and a spiritual father, he says it's actually better for you right now that I remain here because the things that I need to instill in your life has still not been accomplished. So I don't need to be here, but you still need me. And therefore, I'm writing you, I'm encouraging you, I'm telling you I still, even at a distance, have love and compassion, and I'm praying for you all the time. But be clear, if I die, you don't have to shed tears as if I lost the battle. For me to die, I'm going on to glory. Amen? So the only one that needs me to be right here right now is not me, it's actually you, because I gain when my heart stops. <laughs> That's something. Amen? <laughs> but we, we need to look at that from a personal perspective. Do we have that same mindset? I'm not suicidal. I, I, I tell you without a shadow of doubt. I want to be here for a long time. You know, should Christ not tarry? You know, I'm, I'm the product of a family where at an early age, both of my parents were gone. So I know how it is to be the son, you know, orphaned pretty much at an early age. I was 26 years old. And both my parents are gone. So I know how it feels not to see my, my parents at my graduation, not to have my parents meet Pam, not to see me marry, not to see me start my career, not to see me go into ministry, all these different things. I got a, I got a scroll of all the things that I wish my parents could have been at, and yet they were never there. So the last thing I want to do is have my two sons graduate you know, 
meet somebody, get married, have children. And I'm looking forward, no rush, but I'm looking forward to the time that I could be a grandparent and spoil me some grandchildren. Amen. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that because my parents were never here for that. But if I should go tomorrow, I would hope that I left enough in them that they could continue on the tradition, not only of the Fox name, but of the fact that the, the Fox family was a Christian family with godly character and godly values. Amen. That is the main thing. So, yes, from a spiritual perspective, each one of us that know Christ, we're actually better off in heaven. No more bills. <laughs> no more problems. I've had a problem with my shoulder over the last month or so. <laughs> no more of that. <laughs> Ache in the morning or think I strained this. Or, man, I pulled my back. A no more of that. <clears throat> in heaven, just bliss. So there are benefits for me to be out of here and take the heaven express. But I know my assignment is not done. So I'm content to remain here and continue to work in the kingdom of God. But I try to live my life in such a way that just as Paul says that he can stand before men with no regrets and he doesn't have to put his head down when God says, I want you to account for how you treat that person, how you spoke to that person. Well, when that person was in need, did you help them? When that person did you wrong, how did you respond? I want to be pure before God. So if he ever had to come and question me, not only in terms of my actions, but even more so, where was I at up here? Well, you might not have said anything, but what did you think when they said that? And even more so, what was in your heart towards that person? You know, we have to be real to ourselves. There's, there's times in your life, and here's the thing. Sometimes people think, oh, just because I stay quiet, oh, I, I'm pure heart. I'm clean. I have no problems and no mess. Sometimes the people that say the least are the worst. Because they're bottling all that stuff up on the inside. And that's why sometimes you'll say, oh, they're so quiet, and all so, so quiet. And, and all of a sudden, be like, whoa, did you hear what happened? What? So-and-so went off. They just lost their mind. Like, man, we used to be in meetings and parties and lunches and all these different things. And the person never let out a peep. And all of a sudden, it's World War III and there's a trail of blood and fire in that person's path. You're like, where did that come from? Bubbled up on the inside. And one day, one faithful day, somebody hit the tiny red button in the Oval Office and fired the nukes. I don't know if it's in the Oval Office. I'm just. (laughs) But somebody hit the shiny red button and off came the warheads. You don't know where did that come from? It was in there the whole time. Amen. And that's why we have to look at ourselves, like I said, in terms of being pure in heart and mind with no regrets. It's not just whether or not you responded in kind when somebody said something or did something or looked at you the wrong way. It's how you felt internally. It's what you thought about them internally. And I'll go even further and say it's not just that one instance. Sometimes it's every time that person's name comes up. Your body language changes. Start squirming in your chair a little bit. You're sitting straight up as soon as they said that person's name. (laughs) That stuff talks. Just watch. Every time we say that person's name, they lean in the chair a little bit. (laughs) 
The seat getting a little hot. <laughs> Hair on the back of the neck coming up. They were sitting there, teeth shining white. Looked like a Colgate commercial. All of a sudden, they mentioned that one person. Either you, <laughs> the eyebrows start to go down a little bit. Or you hear something bad happen to that person. And now it's an episode of Batman and you're looking like the Joker. That little grin going up. And you try not to laugh and try not to smile. And everybody see you. Look at that little curve coming up on the side of your mouth. Looking like the Joker or the Grinch. <laughs> so we have to be true, true to ourselves, though. Is that stuff in me? Amen? Jesus Christ said, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. It only takes a little bit of yeast to make a loaf of bread. Amen? Just a little bit of yeast. You got a pure glass of water. It only takes a couple drops of dye to change the color. And if you put something like arsenic in there or cyanide, it only takes a couple drops, if that, to take a life. So you can't say, oh, it's just a small thing. It might be big. And the thing is, one of the things the Lord showed me too is, it's not just when cycles of that individual come up. Sometimes it's not so much what that one person did and how your body language, your behavior, your mindset, your attitude, your facial expressions, your posture, all these things change. Sometimes it's like a pattern established where it may not just be one person, but that person did it and that person did it and that person did it. So it all starts to add up. Amen. And it starts to build up. So if we don't examine ourselves and deal with it, we cannot truly say that I'm pure before men. Amen. And each one of us has our own areas in which people step on our nerves or our hot buttons. And a lot of times it comes through, sometimes it comes from the side of pain that we've suffered in the past. A lot of times that really is what it is. Somebody hurt you in the past, somebody betrayed your trust, somebody undermined you, somebody blocked you. And these things remind us of stuff from past, and it just agitates a wound that's already there that's never been treated. And then sometimes it comes on the other side of the coin. And we may not want to admit it, but some things come from the wounded side. Other things come from the, the pride side. They wounded my pride. You can't speak to me like that. Do you know who I am? Amen. And once again... The quietest person in the world still has a sense of pride. Amen? It's just in us because of the way we're wired in God. Amen? Hallelujah. So we need to examine that. And like I said, if there's something in us that's contrary to him, somebody would think that will make us be impure before people, we need to ask God to cleanse our heart, reveal it to us, and take it out of our life. Amen? And it's a process. A lot of times we may think we're over it and something comes back to make it come back to the surface again. So we might go through cycles. But the thing is, I can promise you that if you truly, honestly admit the problem is there and you deal with it as it reoccurs, it gets easier and easier over the years. Amen? Well, maybe not even years. It just gets easier. Amen? Hallelujah. So we're pure before men with no regrets. That is the mindset that Paul had. And the reason he had this mindset, we see here in 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 8. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. 
and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. So we see here that in order to truly be pure before men, we not only have to do a heart examination, but it tells us we always also need to equip ourselves so that we are in season and out of season. What does the word season mean there? It means an opportune time, a God-appointed opportunity. There's chronos time, and then there's what the word in the underlying Greeks calls kairos time. Amen. And what Kairos time means, uh, usually with Kronos, we put C-H-R-O-N-O-S. With Kairos, is K-A-I-R-O-S. Um, but that's like the English translation. It's actually a Greek word. But what Kairos means is one's own God-appointed time. In other words, it's an appointment with destiny. Do you realize that you have appointments with destiny? You may wake up on, the, on, in, on an early morning. <gasps> I don't know what's going on today. Or you may even wake up early in the morning and you have plans for your day. But God might say, you got plans, but I got something else on the table or on the agenda for the day. Perfect examples in the testimony we share. Amen. We have car trouble, which leads to a series of events which makes me drop Kyle off instead of him driving. And next thing you know, we get there to the speed line. We see a woman that we haven't seen probably. Matter of fact, the woman says she hadn't seen Kyle since he was like a little kid. So we're talking like probably 10, you know, maybe 15 years since she's seen us. And it delays us long enough that as we're leaving the station, we see two young ladies with a baby in the back of the car stalled out at a horrendous spot where they could have got hit and the baby could have got harmed or killed. Amen? So the thing is, if God had not set the stage for our car to act up that morning, I would have never been at the speed line, which means I never would have seen Irene, which means I've never been delayed by the conversation, which means I never would have seen the two young ladies in the car needing help. Amen? Sometimes we may even think something is bad, but God says, I'm putting all the chess pieces in place for my glory to be revealed in that situation. Amen? Because I shared, the young lady literally said, God, you got to send me help now. I was literally the answer to God's prayer, to that girl's prayer to God, within minutes of her praying it. And she said, it was like a desperation, God, you got to help me now. Then she knows, hey, you need some help? <laughs> Everything okay? <laughs> and the thing is, not only did we pull up, but somebody she knew that near, lived near her home, knew, knew her from her church, say, hey, isn't that so-and-so out there in the intersection? So we're driving up, giving help. Somebody else is coming from the other direction. That girl prayed. Two, she, God didn't send her just one answer to prayer. Sent her two. Amen? Wow. But only because I was at the speed line when I shouldn't have been because the car had problems. And then that was Friday. Yesterday, start the car up, runs perfect. 
Coincidence? Twilight Zone? Outer Limits? I don't think so. I think sometimes, even though it may seem inconvenient to us, God allows these little inconveniences to happen because it's part, if we're open to it, of being used for the kingdom for his glory. Amen? And see, that is one thing that's really important. We could have looked at it. This says to be in season, out of season. It was out of season. It was a bad day for us, from our perspective. But because we choose that even on a bad day, God, if you want to use me, I'm available. A, dead, a bad day, a bad situation became a glorious day with a testimony. Amen? That's why it says there, preach the word. Be instant in season. See, that's the easy part. Anybody can preach the word. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. We just got a pay raise, new job. Relationship is going good. Came outside, and it's like a Disney movie with the, the birds singing around your thing, and, you know, butterflies are putting a veil around you, and God is good. I preach the word all the time. I just love the Lord Jesus. It's good to have all that on that day. Well, what about that bad day? <laughs> when you got the bad news, the car ain't acting right, your leg hurts. That's when you know if you're really full of the Spirit and the Word of God. Despite your bad day, use me. And sometimes you even go to God, the way I feel right now, I can't even fathom how you can even use me. God, surely, <laughs> we got billions of people here on the planet Earth. <laughs> You are omnipresent, omniscient. You know all things. You know the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know i got to be the worst person you could pick. But yet God says, you're the one. Because I want my glory to be revealed through you on a horrible day in your life. That's how my glory resonates all the more. Because through the muck and mire, through the trials and tribulations, through, through the uncertainty, the pain of heart, the disillusionment, or just a bad attitude. Will you let me use you? Because when you do, my glory explodes on the scene. Amen? Ali, before we left that parking lot, we were having a testimony service. And the thing is, the woman actually is one of the ministers over at Pastor John's. She's, she's on the phone. You know, is Pastor there? Blah, 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 blah. She's calling him. And I hear, Pastor John? I say, oh, that's my body, Pastor John. She's like, what? You know him? We ended up having a testimony service before we left. Off a bad day. Amen? Hallelujah. So preach the word. And see, that word preach means to herald as a public crier. Amen? To herald as a public crier. That's something that's kind of lost in our day and age with all the technology. you got an app for this and an app for that, and you're browsing the Internet. But back in the day, the public crier was the person that gave all the town news. The British are coming. The British are coming. You know, or the, the newspaper guys out there in the corner, the newsboys, get your New York Times front page. They used to herald the news and people will come up and buy a newspaper. See, we've lost that in this day and age. But God is basically saying, I want you to be a public crier of my world. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom is at hand. Jesus is coming. You may not necessarily have to get out there in the street corner screaming at the top of your lungs, but what is in you should cry out. A vessel of God is on the horizon. 
The kingdom of God is here. Amen? In your own special way. Some of us are more assertive. Some of us are more outspoken. So there are people that might literally be out there saying, the kingdom of God is here. I was going to get my chainsaw, um, my chainsaw looked at the other day. As I'm driving by, I get to this one intersection by Geet's Diner. It's like, um, I think it was Cross Keys Road and um, 42. And the diner is right there. As I drive right up there at the light, there's this SUV. This thing is covered from top to bottom with Jesus is Lord and, you know, all these scriptures and stuff like that. It was literally sitting there parked. I guess the guy was eating in the diner, but as I drove up, man, you just couldn't miss this thing. It glowed in the dark about the kingdom of God being at hand. So all of us may have different ways in which we present the gospel. But whatever way that God gives you to give it, preach it with all your might. Preach it at all the time. Be ready on your bad days as well as your good days to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's the thing that's beautiful about it. God knows. Amen? God is not trying to make all of us Billy Graham, the preacher. Amen? But you might write an email, send a letter in the mail, call somebody up at the right time, send a text. I love you. I'm just thinking about you. Amen? I called somebody yesterday. I'm literally driving a car here and back to make sure it doesn't overheat, making sure, like, hey, I can really, you know, it seems to be running good, but I was like, Sunday morning, (coughs) excuse me, we can't take a chance, like, breaking down, stuff like that. So I said, you know, I drove it here, seems good, let it sit for a while, it's running good, drive it to church to back. As I'm driving, the Lord lays somebody in my heart. I called a person up. Yeah, I've really been going through a rough time and everything, and yeah, it's been really hard. I've been de- depressed and blah, blah, blah. So I talked to the person on the phone as I'm dealing with my own situation, making sure it's right. So the thing is, if you choose to turn situations that may not seem that great around for the glory of God, and you're sensitive to hear the voice of God when he's speaking to you and saying, hey, call that person. I know you might be going through, but they're worse off than you are. Call that person. And sometimes you'll find that not only did you respond to the call of God and obediently do something, even though it may not have seemed like the right timing, but you're blessed as you're giving of yourself into the life of that other person. Amen? Hallelujah. You may find sometimes that what you're going through that seems to be so grievous isn't as big as it seemed to be in the first place. Amen? So God tells us to herald the truth, the gospel, Hallelujah, as a public crier. Now, the next thing he talked about in the book of Acts chapter 20, in verse 27, it talks about being indomitable in ministry. That comes from Acts 20, 27. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Indomitable. That means I have a, a fuel in me that never relents. I'm determined. I'm diligent. I'm steadfast. I'm committed. The word shunned means to withhold out of sight, to conceal, to cower or shrink. Paul is saying here that no matter what I'm going through, even hearing the prophecies that my life is going to end soon, if I go to this town, Paul still said, I have not withheld the gospel within me tried to conceal it. I have not cowered from what is before me. I have not shrunk back 
from the fate that might be awaiting me. No, I'm still giving God 100%. I'm going full steam ahead, and I will not relent from what I'm doing. Because especially in his case, if he had cowered or had pulled back on his ministry, it might have saved his life. Because all they really wanted to do was shut down these people preaching this Jesus stuff. Amen? But he said, no, nothing that happens to me, nothing that occurs will cause me to pull back one iota on the call of my life. I'm giving God all my best. Amen? I'm giving him all I got. That sounds like Anita Baker, right? (laughs) Giving you the best that I got. (laughs) Paul gave God all the best that he got. Amen? To his death. And we may not even have to do that. But yet, we have to ask ourselves, am I indomitable? Am I steadfast? Am I pushing full throttle to give God the best that I have? Or do I, through the various circumstances or uncertainty, or sometimes our little spiritual temper tantrums or pity parties, I didn't get what I got, what I wanted when I prayed to you, God, so I'm giving you 25%. I'm holding back. That's spiritual temper, spiritual temper tantrum. And it's a shame because sometimes as adults, oh, well, when I was a kid, you know, that stuff that, you know, is immature, and that's the kind of things that kids do. I'm an mature grown-up now. Grown-ups do temper tantrums with God. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> you see it at times. Oh, I'm just coming in here, just I ain't really motivated. That's pity pot. Do you really mature? You could take a no and still serve just as faithfully. Amen? I'll repeat that. If you're mature, you could take a no, whether it's no right now or no never going to happen. You'll take that no. It does not affect you at all in terms of your level of servitude, in terms of your level of reverence, in terms of your level of commitment and your fervency to do what you know is right and your responsibility. You'll still give 100%. Dr. Gladys Carden, I shared that before, she was a good example of that. She, I ran into her one time, this is years ago, on a train when I was working in Philly, and she said, oh, Brian, she said, um, you know, could you pray, for, you know, you and Pam pray for me about something? And I was like, sure. She said, oh, this is good um, opportunity. seems to be opened up at my job, and, you know, somebody came to me and said, you know, you need to consider interviewing for this position it'll be good and the thing is it was going to be a move I think it's going to be a lateral move but even though it was a lateral move I think it came with like a a, a pretty good salary increase and she said the person who told her she should go for it says you have a great opportunity to get this you know you pretty much I can't say it but unofficially you pretty much shoe in but you know still she's like I don't want to be cocky or you know presumptuous I'm going to have people pray for her. So we prayed for her and everything, and then I ran into her about a month later, and I said, oh, did she get the new job? She said, I don't know why, but I didn't get it. And she said, I was disappointed, especially since somebody told me, like, you're, hint, hint, you're probably shooing, go for it. She said, I was a little disappointed, but she said, you know, I just praying, believe in God, trusting, and I'm just full steam ahead. I can't get disgruntled, I can't get bitter, full steam ahead. Next thing you know, like, I think it was half a year later, see her, they open up a new position, and the thing is, at the time, they weren't sure if they're going to open up this new position, but they're like, you know what, in case we do, she's perfect for this one, but we don't want to put her here 
only to open up the new one. Now we've got to go back to interviewing it and getting somebody in here trained, moving her over. So we'll just decline her this, knowing that if this opens up, that's hers. That's even more suited than the other one was. So here's the thing. She got rejected, but only because we said they were thinking like, no, this is really, really going to be her fit. Amen. So do you give God 100% regardless of what is going on all the time? Amen. Do you give God 100%? God gives us 100%. All the time he gives us 100%. God is never slack. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He never lays down on the job, gets lazy. But can we say the same? Are we truly giving God things to the best of our ability? Do we serve him 100%? Do we study 100%? Do we pray 100%? Do we commit? Do we fellowship? You know, all the different things we know to do in the body of Christ, do we do them at 100%? Amen. If we don't, we need to go back and really evaluate that. Amen. Because times are getting shorter. Amen. And the thing is, as time are, are getting hard, a lot of times people thinking, you know, oh, well, you're just trying to control me or you're just trying to boss me in or do this or that. A lot of times the training you're going under during the times where it's not an emergency situation is the very thing that will sustain or preserve you during the times of hardship. So just like if you're in the military, you know, Sir Harry gets there that you train how to, you know, to, to go through different maneuvers and use your weapons and load your weapon and clean your weapon. You go through all these different things, and after a while, I might get a little tired. Like, well, I got to go through this again, or why well, I got to crawl through this and leap over that. But guess what? If you're in a war zone and people shooting around you on every side, you'll be thankful you went through all that discipline. Amen. Hallelujah. And the same thing in the body of Christ. People in this day and age don't want to be disciplined and don't want to be reproved and don't want to have their toes stepped on and don't want to have re- requirements placed upon them. But amen. If you look at the pattern throughout the Bible, anybody was discipled, they went through a deliberate process, sometimes hard, sometimes hurtful, sometimes what they didn't want to hear, but it got them over the hump and it elevated them to a position where they could be entrusted to be a servant of the kingdom. Amen. So I don't know why in the church world, you know, you, you see in every other organization, there's requirements, there's responsibilities to get you credentialed or produ- um, approved. But in the body of Christ, for some reason, it's just like, oh, just go about the motions. and <laughs> I want to be in this role, but... I don't want to study. <laughs> Prayer, fasting, I ain't fasting. I ain't going out of mill. <laughs> you expect somehow here all the rules should be dropped when, if anything, within the body of Christ and the kingdom of God, the rules are more clearly defined than anywhere else. Amen? Hallelujah. So we should be willing to submit to those things, realizing that even though you may not necessarily like what you're hearing or what you have to do, it's still for your perfection in God. Amen? And not only, only, not only for your own personal perfection, but also as God grooms you and elevates you to a place where he could trust you to be a mentor to others, now you could take the things that you've learned and impart them into the lives of other people. You know, that's one of the things I'm really seeing now even in terms of my career as I'm managing projects and I have people under me. And there's actually some people that are on my team right now that academically speaking, they're greater credential than I am because they've gone up. The one guy, um, he was actually the, the main guy on my team 
the number one guy, I never asked him, but people that, that from the company and stuff have told me he was literally a college professor in IT. So he's actually, as a professor, teaching computer science. I have a BS degree. For him to be a professor, he's got to be credentialed more than I am. But as we're on our project working on a daily basis, there are times I have to go back to him and say, hey, Victor, this is good what you did, but if you did this instead of this, it would perform better, be fine-tuned, and this. And he's like, oh, okay, great. That's a great tip. So there's times I'm instructing him, although from his academic um, experience, he's greater credential than I am and was even a college professor, but because of my experiences and knowledge, I still have greater level of experience and knowledge that he does, and I can impart it to him. But the great thing about it, though, is that he's never come off as, well, do you know I am? I'm a professor. It's just like, okay. Oh, he always has a humble attitude. Oh, I'm sorry. And, and one of the things I even told him last week, I was like, dude, Relax. <laughs> You know, he's so humble that sometimes I'll say, sometimes I'll send a message out to the full team, and I'll give an example. In this program here, somebody wrote the following lines of code, and this is inefficient because of this, and I'll give them examples, and here's how you should do it. And I'm looking at it as this is an instructional moment, and it's not like I'm trying to pinpoint or embarrass anybody. I'm just saying, hey, here's how we can improve, and here's an example. And he'll Skype me or say, me, oh, I'm so sorry. I was like, dude, you ain't got to fall on your sword. It's, it's okay. You're not going to be fired. You don't have to give me a vial of blood. Just relax, man. Relax. <laughs> but it's good that, you know, without, with all his credentials, though, he's still humble. And he has such a hunger to learn and to grow and to be an asset that he totally humbles himself and says, you know, that's a situation where I didn't name names. I actually didn't know it was him. But I presented a scenario and wasn't naming names. And he basically like, I did it. I screwed up. And he's telling well, you know, I'm getting ready for my wedding in October. And my grandfather died. And, dude, <laughs> relax. Deep breaths, dude. <laughs> I said, you're an asset to the team. And I said, as I told you before, if this team is ever reduced, you are the last person to go. Give yourself a pass. But it's great to have somebody with that kind of hunger, though. You know, what if we all in the body of Christ had that same level of fervency and hunger to grow and adapt and to be molded and to be perfected in God? Amen? Hallelujah. So Paul, like I said, did not shun from anything as he was serving God. We see here in Acts 26, uh, verses 21 through 23. For these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead, and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. So, look at this. I mean, Paul said the Jews caught him in the temple... And went about to kill him. But he says that having obtained help from God or supernatural empowerment and, and assistance, he was able to continue on despite the great opposition that he faced. So my question for us today is, if we're feeling that we're getting weary from our interactions with people, we're getting tired out 
because, oh, I've been diligent so long, or I've been faithful, or I'm trying to reach these people, or I'm trying to do this or that, and I'm feeling like I'm drained and I'm worn out from the situation. You know, if you're feeling that way, if we're looking at the example of Paul here, we have to look at it and say, you know what? It's possible that either I'm outside of the will of what God wants me to do, or I'm trying to do it on my own flesh as opposed to being empowered by God. Because we see here, they were trying to not just imprison or stone him or beat him as they had before. He said, these people are literally trying to kill me. That's oppression times 10, I would think. But yet, he said he kept preaching. Why? Because of the help that he obtained from God. So we're truly on the right path with God. Why are we worn out? Why are we anxious? Why are we overwhelmed? I'm not saying that we don't have moments of being overwhelmed. There are times where trauma hits you and it just jars you to your core. You know, I shared before, you know, we had a situation where I was self-employed and it was getting to the point where, you know, I was starting to put out resumes and considering, like, can I get a long-term software project that can really be consistent and really stick this time? Or would I go back to a traditional nine-to-five in an office? I was just basically open to everything. And there was times where uh, it looked like the situation was right only for something to happen. Like one time I was working for this company out of Denver, and they loved my work. But then this one guy got elevated up to vice president over IT. The guy that replaced him, I thought he was joking at first. He said, hey, you consider um, moving out to Denver? I was like, no. Not going to (laughs) happen. I said it politely. I'm giving you all the other version. I was like, it ain't going to happen. So, and he hinted about it a couple times. And then finally he told me, he said, look, we love your work. You've been an asset. You've been incredible for the team. But we really want some people that are going to be right here in our area. So at a certain point, they finally let me go. And the guy came back to me later and said the same guy that got, came in in his spot as director of the project ended up leaving going somewhere else. <laughs> and he's like, man, we should have kept you on board because you were great. But at that time, I was already on another project. But the thing is, sometimes, you know, we're pursuing something. We're trying to get stability, and things don't seem like they necessarily pan out the way we want. And going after that situation, I finally found one that seemed like it was perfect. Amen? Even to the point that we're saying we're sending you two com- top-end computers, two monitors, and I was out going to Staples, Office Depot, and places looking like, we're going to find a perfect desk that's wide enough that'll fit right in a certain room in the house, mapping it out, and going to have two computers and huge monitors and everything. And literally, on a technicality, after this stuff was shipped, they gave me a job offer, I signed a contract and everything, they called me back, and on a technicality, they said, you know, we're going to have to rescind our offer. And this is after struggling, you know, coming through the cancer, struggling financially, going through a process at one point where, you know, they, they were, like, saying, like, either give us 20 grand or sell your house or pay us six to eight grand a month. And I'm just like, all this stuff going on, I'm just like, Lord, but I remain committed I was still doing tithes and offering. I was still serving faithfully in church. I was like, I'm not going to back out off of the things of God I know I'm called to do despite this uncertainty. But on that one day, when I'm talking about trauma, when you're like really trying to be a good husband and father to your kids and 
you've been struggling all this time. It seems like, bam, I finally got the things going to solve all this and literally have stuff coming to you on a truck and then have to go out to that truck and say, I will not accept this shipment and take it back. That's like somebody took me, grabbed me by the collar and just punched me in my face ten times. I mean, that, wait. I wasn't just hurt, that, wait. I mean, that was the point where I'm an alpha male. I'm hardcore. I ain't never been a crybaby. I was literally about to ball. That's how hard that hurt. But yet, I was like, I'm not going to stop serving God faithfully. Amen? So I was like, that hurt me to my core. I couldn't even talk. I mean, stuff that hurts you so deep, you can't even talk. I look at Pam. She could see it. I was just like, got my car, drove off somewhere. I was like, I can't talk. I can't even be comforted. I can't talk to nobody right now. I'm hurting so bad. Just clear path. I got to get out of here. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I felt like crying like a baby that hurt so hard because I was depending so much on having something locked in so I could be a provider for my family. But yet, even through that hurt, I say, God, you got to help me. Amen. I done did it all. The resumes are out, the phone interviews, the code examples. I'm doing everything I can do. I need your empowerment to get me through the situation. And even in the job right now, um, I'm, in, I'm leading a team of developers, and they really see me like in terms of IT. I'm basically directing the, the flagship main project of this company. I mean, this is the project that they think this is going to make or break this company. And they're looking at, like, my, my boss is literally looking at, let's build this thing up to the point that we can sell it to Google or somebody one day for, like, $50 million and make us all millionaires. That's how big they see this project, and I'm in charge of all the technical aspects of that, leading developers, bringing on new developers. They're really looking at me like, you're in charge. We need you. You're the architect of all this stuff. Amen? But even that did not come without great opposition. So there's times in that, Lord, this is insane. I got 26 years in IT and a college degree. You got a guy that specializes in hair foils when people get their hair dyed in charge of me. And I had to submit to his authority and respectfully say, I think we're going in the wrong direction. We need to do this. We need to do that. No. But I'm giving you good reason. I'm documenting this and that. No. Just spiting me because you know I'm really I'm better than you and should be leading you and you shouldn't really be on. Amen? The meetings I was supposed to be at. No, we don't need him. We're making major IT decisions, and I'm sitting back at my desk where people that have no insight that I have aren't hearing the stuff that I was supposed to bring to the table. So I had to endure all of that. And the fact that even in my interview, they directly asked me, my experiences and whether I led projects, and I made it clear to them that is where I shine. I had to sit back and basically be reproved, dismissed. Even one point, person told me, yeah, you know, you might want to consider, like, putting your resumes out. So stuff, you got, sometimes got to seek God's empowerment when the impossible and the ridiculous even is around you on every side, and it won't budge for a while. There's times where you got to say, God, you got to help me. Amen. And there's stuff I won't even share, stuff that only me and Pam know that were, that were involved. I'm talking about from a spiritual perspective, strongholds and stuff that had to be broken. 
It's due to God's empowerment and our joint prayer that some of the things were brought down and we got to the situation where I'm at today. So it was not an easy road, but as Paul says, we got to be indomitable in terms of that because I looked at it not just as a job. I looked at it also as a spiritual assignment because I actually had a, a, a really good opportunity where I turned down five digits to, to where I could be in a Comcast. I turned down boatload of money where I could have been in Comcast. I stayed there to go through all that process over a year of being, you know, basically demeaned and not treated fairly and not looked at favorably and having people over me. Like, you got to still keep pressing in, pressing in. Because we had dreams and stuff in this, that there's people there that God wants us to impact. You know, spiritual relationships now that I'm seeing. I mean, I'll be at barbecues now. These guys are buzzed like I don't know what. You know, Brian's a pastor. <laughs> I'll be talking to somebody. Oh, well, my children, I was just at a, a barbecue a couple of weeks ago. I'm trying to have a bar mitzvah for my son. His dad refuses to come because he doesn't, never wants to set foot with me in a room again, even though I invited him. And she's like, well, pastor, go talk to Pastor Brian. And this guy drank like probably five shots of, uh, they call it fireballs. And he just good and buzzing. Well, Brian's a pastor. <laughs> Even when they're drunk, the Lord opens up the doors. But see, I had to be indomitable in terms of going through the warfare and the battles and, the, you know, the rebuffing and the overlooking and all the cycles, all that stuff that in my flesh did not feel good. Amen. So are you willing to go through the challenges that the enemy may place before you? Because a lot of times it's not the people. It's the spirits that are at work trying to undermine the authority that God is placing you, the spirit of God is within you, as well as the assignment that God has in you. So if you're drained, you know, and I had to deal with that from time to time. If you're feeling drained or overwhelmed, or I can't take another day of this. I've been there, done that. You guys still say, you know what, if I was in the presence of God more, or maybe if I put some songs on, or maybe I sang a song in my breath, or if I repeated a scripture that edifies me, would I be feeling like this? Because I found that in the greatest fights and battles and strongholds and warfare that I went through at that company, as well as other situations over the years, I found that every time I would get myself in the place of God where I allowed his word or songs of praise to permeate the atmosphere, songs of worship, that all that heaviness and that sense of being overwhelmed would lift off of me, and I would say, okay, I can keep moving. Amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> I used to, <laughs> when I used to go on job interviews, I'm going to have to convert that somehow. But I used to have these, this tape series by R.W. Shambach, you know, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence. And he preached about the different battles and stuff that he went through and had to overcome to keep going in ministry. And I would listen to that every time I had like a major thing to go through where I felt a little anxious I would put that on and by the time I'll get there I was like yeah I'm ready to go see sometimes you got to find stuff to give you a personal spiritual pep rally amen sitting there all defeated and worn down and beaten up and let the enemy you know keep beating you and 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 beating you down in your head and discouraging you and you keep recycling that stuff over and over again and what if and should have could have and oh he's going to do this and he's going to do that and all these worried thoughts going and flowing throughout your mind amen but do we ever take the time to say let me throw on the ipod 
because there's that special song that really touches me right now. I remember some of the times I went through the greatest warfare at my job. There's a song, Without You, by Sion Thompson. And it just, whew, that song just blessed me so much. Sometimes I'll put that song on. I would literally drive 20 minutes replaying it over, over, over. No, 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 I don't need that other song. Oh, that's a good one. I don't need that right now. I don't need Fred Hammond. I don't need Wes Morgan. I don't need Shekinah Glory. I don't need this and that. No, I need Without You by Sion Thompson right now. I would replay that song five times in the car, and guess what? Jump out of my car, so I set my desk, iPod, bam. iPod getting low. YouTube, just so happens that video's on YouTube. I literally had, I'm not lying. Y'all might think I'm crazy. I had days during that period, because that song was touching me so much, I had days where I must have listened to that song 30 times that day over the course of maybe like eight hours because I would get up from the desk back and forth, but I would get up, go to the bathroom, get up, go to a meeting, go back to my desk. Without you. <laughs> it just, it's like, I can't do it without you, Lord. I can't do it. And that's what the song was proclaiming. And I'd have that in my mind, in my mouth, and literally in my ears to get me through. But that's what gives you the power, amen, to keep going even when you can't keep going. Find whatever works to keep you going, amen? And sometimes we look at the big picture. I'm just coming to mind right now. Sometimes we look at the big picture. I'm here, and I got to get here. Stop looking at distance between here and there. That alone will overwhelm you. How about instead of from here to here, I know at the end I'm going to be there, but I'm not going to focus on the there. I'm going to focus on getting here. Because, see, that's too big for me right now. Lord, I can't deal with that right now, but I can hold your hand. If you help me, I could do like that old Christmas cartoon. Put one foot in front of the other. <laughs> Amen. Get to just one step further and further. And as you know, how in the world did I get here? Wow, time passed so quickly. So instead of you sitting there spiritually, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Or spiritually, I can't get there, I can't get there, I can't get there. Instead, Lord, give me the strength just to take the one next small step. Whew. I made it. I didn't know I could get this far. All right, I'm a little jumpy still. But if you promise, I guess I could try another one. Whew. Not as scary as I thought. And you just keep going and going and going until finally you get there. I mean, I gave you all an illustration last week of Paul. Well, he preached the gospel. And we read these passages. And I was shipwrecked and I was stoned. And we just read the words on the page, just keep it moving. No, he was stoned. Ow! Oh, come on, man. Punching his face. Ooh. Eyes swollen. You know how hard it is being dominable in ministry when you just got your butt whooped? But yet, Paul, I'm going to preach for Christ. I mean, there's people begging. They were not just begging him because people were throwing out of threats. Some of these people probably helped nurse him back to health 
after that behind got tore up. <laughs> Don't go, man. You saw what they did to you the last time. Your eye was black, swollen up. You couldn't even open it. Your lip was busted up so much and your jaw swollen, you could barely eat. They stoned you so much that you got bruises all over your body. Don't go there. I'm going for Christ. I don't know what befalls me, but I'm going. <laughs> he says, I was basically willing to be poured out as an offering. Really, that word offering was talking about being a drink offering. Everything that's in this cup, don't leave a drop in my spiritual glass. Pour me all out. I want to empty myself totally of anything that's left so that when this body dies, nobody can say he held back anything for the cause of Christ. He poured it all out. That's what Paul was talking about. When he's talking about that offering, he's saying, I'm a drink offering. Pour me over. Pour it all out. Don't spare nothing. Don't hold back anything. Pour out every aspect of my life for God. That's how indomitable he was in ministry. So like I said, we cannot allow discouragements and murmuring complainings and de defeats and attacks and assignments to overwhelm us. We need to continue to press on despite all those different things. Because the thing is, the Lord has so many things in store for us. Amen? But sometimes you just can't see him. <laughs> just getting the image. You know, sometimes like a little child is trying to see over something. That's how a lot of us are spiritually. We know there's something up there at the next level, but we can't quite see it yet. But as long as you're still staying on that same step, you'll never fulfill or achieve or reach the stuff that's at the next level. Next level takes work, takes determination. You know, a child, learning to walk could be a painful thing. Sometimes they fall in the diaper, sometimes they fall on that face. But guess what? They keep pulling themselves up, or maybe you help them up, and they stumble, but then next thing you know, <laughs> they're all over the house. And you're putting on baby locks and stuff like that because they went from stumbling to now running all over the place. So God wants us to get from the place of being stumbly babies up to the place where we're now mature adults, walking up to that next level, walking up to the next level, unafraid, unashamed, on fire for him to pursue the things that he has before us and to do it with determination. And that's the thing. We can't expect for God to trust us and invest in us a thousand things and put us at higher, higher levels if we're still doing the same old status quo. I mean... Just think about this from a natural perspective. If you put somebody in charge of a corporation that hasn't done the work where they're suited to be a leader, you're the fool, not him. He's just saying, like, look, he might be looking at the CEO of the corporation. Well, shoot, if I get that, I'll be making this amount of money. I had this prestige and everything. Of course I want the position. But if you put somebody there that's not suited, who's the problem? It's not the person got placed there. It's the one who elevated them into that role. So God's no fool. He's not going to elevate us if we're not ready for that. Amen? So he'll put us through tests and trials. He'll allow things to get pulled back. He'll allow situations to come into your life to test you, to refine you, to strengthen you, to build your faith like he did with Abraham. 
Amen? And then once he does that, and you've shown yourself to be responsible and mature, then he'll elevate you up to that situation. That's the biblical pattern. Abram didn't become Abraham because God decided, look, I'll just throw a last name on you. No, he earned that name change. Amen? Jacob did not become Israel because I want to go to court and change my name. No, he had to go through some stuff and get some of them character flaws out of his system before God would say, your name is Israel because you were prevailing. You're no longer a con man and a scoundrel. Amen? Same thing with us. God is perfectly willing to elevate us. But we want to do the work and have the determination through thick and thin to take on the character of Christ, to conduct ourselves mature, and to continue to grow and refine and allow the work of God to be performed within us. If we allow that to happen, God is perfectly willing to do that. Because, see, the thing is, with elevation also comes more warfare. Everybody wants elevation, but nobody wants to look at the warfare. Sometimes God won't elevate you because you can't handle the warfare. Just because you call yourself a general and you say, well, I, don't, I just really wanted the rank because of the prestige and how it looks on my uniform and the respect I get from all the people. Well, guess what? You got a target on you, too. So don't ask for the elevation if you ain't ready for the warfare. Amen. So the way you prove you're ready for the warfare is that at the lower level, you conduct yourself at such a level that when they need the general, who are the candidates? Well, this guy's incredible. Look at his resume of the things he's done. Look at the hardship that person faced in this situation. When this unexpected thing came his way and how he conducted himself and remained in a character that indicates that he's ready for this. That's how you get elevated. Amen? Hallelujah. And then as it relates to the body of Christ, the way in which God will elevate us and say that you're a true follower of me is that through thick and thin, we still have the same level of determination and commitment and we show and exhibit the character of Christ regardless of what is going on in our lives. That's how we could truly say we're followers of Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. I'm going to stop with that for today. We'll continue on next week. Be followers of Christ. Amen? There's a lot of people speaking it. But like I said earlier, there's a lot of people mimicking. They know how to say the right things, dress the right way, stand up, raise their hands, lower their hands, bow down. But a lot of it is mimicking and imitating, but it's not taking on and establishing and exhibiting the true character inwardly and taking on the true pattern. Because of the true pattern of God, you walk in it even when nobody is watching. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we thank you, praise you, Lord, for everything you're doing in our lives, Lord. And, Father, we do desire to be true followers of you, not superficial, not just having outward characteristics of Christ, but, Lord, that we would truly invest ourselves in learning more and more about you and taking on your character, meditating upon the word, praying and and exhibiting the character when opportunities present themselves and we praise and thank you father that even though the enemy would try to set us up father to disillusion us or to defeat us we thank you father that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony and lord as we would adhere to your word even in times where it may seem foolish or might seem that it would bring uh, consequences and risks lord we just thank you fathers we would follow your word Hallelujah, you would not only bless us through our obedience, Father, but also strengthen us and 
Give us new uh, areas in which you can entrust us, Father, to serve you. We praise and thank you, Father, for your blessings that flow in our lives, that you would um, not only touch us, Father, but even as we're at school and at work and other places, Father, uh, give us the opportunity to be hallelujah, uh, people that will impact the lives of others everywhere we go. We thank you, Father, that even on the bad days, we should be in season. Show us, Father, how to be in season. We thank you, Father, there's anything within us that has caused us to withdraw or shun the gospel through the fear or complacency or um, shame, Lord, that you would reveal that to us, Father, that we would repent and overcome those things. We just thank you, Father, as we would commit ourselves to serving you, Lord, even as Paul did. Um, you left him a legacy that we're still following centuries later. We thank and praise you, Father, that even as you did it in him, you would do it in us. Let us take on the true character of Christ. And, Father, through that, let your anointing, Father, to break yokes and to save lives and to set the captives free and to change our neighborhoods, Father. Let that flow in our lives. And we just praise and thank you, Father, for this. We thank you, Father, for Denise right now. Hallelujah, Denise Mitchell, Lord, that you would touch her from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. Father, um, give her an appetite. Put weight on her body right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. Hallelujah, even let the weight that she would eat come on in a healthy fashion, Lord. Hallelujah, that she would not bring on anything that would agitate her body. But, Lord, hallelujah, you govern her thoughts and her mind. Give her peace, Father. And even as I said, you give her an appetite, Father. Show her those things that would truly nourish her body to strengthen it, Lord. We praise you, Father, to build up her white cell count, Lord. Hallelujah. Strengthen her total immune system right now in the name of Jesus, Father. We curse every sickness and disease at its root. And we praise you. Thank you, Father, that you would do a work, hallelujah, in her body. Hallelujah. That she would be restored to fullness. And we even thank you, Father, for what you're doing in terms of the relationship, Father, with, with Shante. And there may be others as well. We thank you, Father, that, hallelujah, she would not be ashamed and, and feel like this is not the right time for you to see me. But instead, Father, let her um, just be open to receiving the love that people will want to pour out upon her. And even the love that she has for them to well. We thank you, Father, to mend bridges and to um, just do a work, Father, spiritually, emotionally, and physically and their entire family. And we praise you, Father, as well, for the Creamer family that lost um, their loved one. Um, Lord, just there's no way to, to mend the healing, of the, 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 the hurting of the heart, Father, from the wound of a child being murdered. But we ask you right now to, to do a work and bring many salvations out of this situation. We thank you, Father, for touching uh, the, the mother Creamer, who had the tracheotomy to touch her throat and touch her body, that she would heal quickly. There'd be no infection, Father, that she would um, just be fully restored and just uh, pour out your peace upon her from head to toe. We pray, Father, for the other brother who was also shot, that you would mend his body as well. And we thank you, Father, to bring the perpetrators to justice, to bring peace to that entire community. We pray also for Camden that's continued to be afflicted with violence, Lord, that you would um, do a work in them as well. Bless and anoint all the churches. Bless the streets, Father, that hallelujah, all this warfare and all this chaos that's been governing that city, Father, would be abolished. And we just thank you, Father, that your will be performed as uh, Pastor Khan is running for office. But there's also a Christian woman as the current mayor. Father, you know, who can say who you want in place since they're both Christians? But we know, Father, that you 
know the person that you want to be in charge. So we praise you, Father, that you will bring about the result you want. And we thank you, Father, that regardless of how the vote goes, there will be a Christian in office there. But we praise you, Father, the principles of God will truly come into place in that city. I even saw an article that they're saying that the new county police force isn't even really coming into the center of the city where the crime is and they're staying on the outskirts. We praise you, Father, that they would change that. They do truly police the streets and stop this nonsense. And we praise you, Father, that once again, even as the result will be governed by you, that regardless of who wins or loses, as Christians, they will come together and will work together going forward. We thank you and we praise you. We give you the glory, honor, and praise for these things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah.